Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply football yes yes pat mahomes is a very rich man after yesterday and uh, we've got things to talk about off of that as it pertains to local minnesota athletes plus it is a minnesota sports rewind tuesday here on Mackie and judd thanks in part to federated insurance federated has been helping business owners in the twin cities for over a hundred years and it's tough to pinpoint a crazier 100-day stretch in the state or in the country than we've faced here so far in the first part of 2020. And so if you're a business owner out there and things have been changing and might change again before the end of the year, before the end of the summer, for all we know, it just helps to have that peace of mind, that protection, that frontline protection you get with Federated. And also worth noting, too, Federated, uh, a few years ago, they like, I knew about Big Brothers Big Sisters, but Federated really tipped me off to the great work that Big Brothers and Big Sisters has been doing here in the Twin Cities and around the country. It's the oldest and largest youth mentoring organization in the United States. They create one-to-one mentoring relationships that ignite the power and promise of young people and help them reach their full potential. You know, the difference between somebody, we talk about this in sports all the time, the difference between somebody reaching their 90th or 95th percentile, whatever their potential is as a human, sometimes it comes down to coaching or the relationships that you build or the organization that you get drafted by. And it's the same thing in life, really. Big Brothers Big Sisters helps kids reach their full potential. Find out more at federatedchallenge.org. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. If somebody gave you guys up to $503 million over 10 years, and by the way, like, it doesn't even really kick in for a couple of years. You're still pretty rich now. And then it'll kick in where you're like buy a franchise rich in a couple of years. What's the first thing you guys would do? With that much money? Like what would you like first thing you would not even necessarily buy, but maybe it is first thing you would buy. But like when you knew that you had a half billion dollars in the bank by age 25, what would you do? What would you do that afternoon? Gee, I'd be 25 years old, so I, I wouldn't be that smart, first of all. I'd buy a significant stake in White Claw. Uh, see, that, th- that's my point. Um, <laughs> I would I would probably... Can I, I would, just buy the grapefruit? Can yeah. I just buy stock in the At grapefruit? At 25, you know what I might do? Try and buy an island. Because I'd be young and I'd be dumb. And it's always sounded cool, right? Yeah, you like, own a bleeping island. Yeah, like the, I think I might buy an island. The minute you have a half billion dollars to your name, you no longer, if you don't want to, you don't have to associate with people. You don't have to associate with people that you don't want to associate with. That already goes for some of us in 
We don't have that much. Well, he's even guaranteed $140 million. It's a, there's a $140 million injury guarantee. So like doesn't if, an island sound cool? Like Because because if if you've got that much coming, you certainly could get the uh, loan to buy an island. I think an island sounds cool. Now, now the Jeffrey Epstein thing makes it a little bit weirder than it was previously. Yeah. Because he had one. And I got to admit, not a big fan right there. No. Uh, but previous to that. That's really that's a hot take. Really going out of the limit. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm denouncing the actions of Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> Count me among the very few. Um, I th- you know what? I think at 25, I think that might be it, Phil. An island. The only thing about an island would be like, would there be what, what's on the island? You're buying an island. Is there a grocery store? Like, who's bringing my groceries and my food? Because I'm certainly not going. Yeah. If I have a half billion dollars, I'm certainly not going grocery shopping. I get, I get a butler who flies in a plane and brings me brings me food and stuff. No, you get you get people there. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is not. So, so there is some Epstein stuff that you would use here. Oh, that's my point. I would I would have the ability to have people working on said island. Got it. I'm just saying that post Epstein, hmm. it do, it doesn't sound. Uh, it's I've got to be careful here, okay? Like <laughs> I got to be very careful. Did you guys know that there's a website called PrivateIslandsOnline.com? Now, yeah. now I know you can rent Patrick or Holmes buy just an island. One yesterday, islands for sale. There's a tab called Islands for Sale here. All right, how much would? Oh my, this is amazing. This is like you ever go to this, like we were talking about this before the show. You ever go to like Zillow and check out? Oh, I wonder like what houses cost yeah. in this area, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I do that like wherever I travel, I'm like, oh, I wonder like what the most expensive place in Scottsdale is. Like, yeah. is somebody putting fifty million dollars? How much would you guys guess the most? Well, I don't know. There's seven hundred two islands for sale on this website. Are there really? Yeah. Wow, there's more islands for sale than I thought there would be. How much would you guess a one hundred acre island is? Can you give me a location? Does that matter? Rangai Island. I have no oh, idea. Oh, that's going to help. I have. Um, I have no clue. Okay, here's what one. islands right. go for. Uh, it's in. It's in Thailand. It's off the coast of Thailand. Okay. All right. In American dollars. Yep, American dollars. How much? If you want a 110 acre island off the coast of Thailand, if you really want to get away, or you want me to Americanize it, there's an island called Pumpkin Key. I'm assuming that's just off the. It's it's just off the coast of Florida. It's the Florida oh, Keys. Yeah, right? Now we're talking some money. It's a 26 acre island. So not you know, it's yeah. a it's a good lot of land, but. Yeah. How much would You'd you pay for a 26-acre island off the coast of Florida? Um, I'll go with $120 million. Judd? $200 million. $95 million? Hey. Oh, okay. well, let's so buy it. Pa- Pamela Holmes could oh, easily just buy easily the island. Yeah. He could buy it with cash. It's amazing. He yeah. could just go down there with cash and hey, give it no to the in- people. And no income tax, right, in Florida? Nope. So no state income Florida. tax. You have to keep that. God bless you. Islands might be exempt regardless. That's a good question. Yeah, does anyone do we have any have rich to listeners to the islands? show? Like, is, has anyone who listens to our show been rich enough to think about buying or renting an island? Hit us yeah. up, just tweet at Please us, do. Instagram us. So, um, so ten years, up to five hundred three million dollars for Pat Mahomes. He turns twenty five in September. So, this contract, if if he plays out the duration of this contract, and there are like certain there are certain outs where I think there's like vesting years, like two or three years in advance. He's got outs, yes. There, there's outs, I think, for him built in for Pat yeah. Mahomes. So it's it's kind of complicated, and and it, but ultimately it's going to be forty plus million dollars a year. Yep. And uh, it's it's just the most it's the most lucrative contract in American sports history. 
Are there any current Minnesota athletes? Or let me phrase the question this way. If you had to sign a Minnesota athlete. This is, I've been thinking about this. I think I would just sell all my teams if I had to sign one. <laughs> well, there's actually there's one fairly obvious answer. So I'm going to say this. I'm gonna make I hate you guys, 10-year contracts. I'm going to make you guys sign three Minnesota athletes. Three Minnesota athletes to 10-year mm. max money contract. Whatever mm. that means. Like in baseball, $30, $40 million a year. Maybe it... The way they it looks like the way that they structured this Mahomes contract, if he plays out the whole ten years, like it actually smooths out toward the end of the contract. So you, you wind up paying him more to the cap in the middle. But if we're talking like top money for ten years, you have to sign three Minnesota athletes. Who are the three? If I absolutely have to, yes. so and, and basically this is then t- uh, tantamount to flushing my money down a drain. <laughs> uh, I'm going to sign Cat to one of them. So what's he, 25? Yeah, so he's 35 by the end or, or approximately that. I don't like it, but if I have to, he's one of them. D'Angelo's uh, younger, right? Isn't D'Angelo like yeah. a couple years and I mean, younger? we are literally, to be clear, we are talking about taking a huge amount of, of cash and putting it in a toilet and hitting flush because this is, I hate. Do you think that's what the Chiefs are doing? No, no, this kid's special. I, I debated this a little bit because... If I'm not mistaken, when Trout signed that contract, and we might have agreed on this at the time, when Trout signed what previously was the most expensive contract in sports history a few years back, which was, I think, a 10-year contract, or I've got the terms here because I wrote them down last night. Um, It was a 12-year, $426.5 million contract for Mike Trout. I said, I hate 10-year guaranteed contracts. But this kid is special enough. That and and he's a quarterback, and yes, he might get hurt, but he's going to be 35, not 40, when the contract comes to an end. I think if you were ever going to roll the dice, this is probably at least worth the gamble. Now, now that probably comes back and bites me in the butt a little bit because then the trout contract. I mean, he yeah. he's, a, he's a baseball player and he's not that old himself. Uh, but yeah, Cat's my first one. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, Byron Buxton should be. One of them, but, but see, he's, he's not. Like I can't do it, years old and too. I can't do it. He and gets his, hurt too much. He, he gets hurt too much. His prime, his prime skill set that you would be buying is speed, and it's going to be mostly gone in five or six years. Like at that level, is there a right? Twins player? I, so uh, here's the guys I wrote down for the Twins, and again, like both of these are risky. Jose Barrios, because he's only like 25. Yep, somewhere in there. 26. 26. Yep, 26. So if you think he's... Yeah, a pitcher, he, man. Good luck. I agree. Like, a pitcher is a ticking time bomb. But if, if we have to sign three of them, <laughs> yeah, you really, you'd probably consider the guy that, like, the guy's in shape. You, you're not going to have to worry about him getting fat like CC Sabathia. Right, you but know? his arm's going to fall off at some point way before that. Yeah, and that's the that's the risk you run. I think it's got to be a position player. Royce Lewis is probably the one that you would gamble on because he's the former number one overall pick. He's only, like, 21 years old. And so you'd be signing him through because age matters, right? You can talk yeah. about well, Kirk Cousins. Well, Kirk Cousins is going to be forty-two by the end of that contract. So Royce Lewis, just on the gamble that he fulfills what he what his promises, and he'd be thirty-one by the end of the contract. What about Kaprizov? Holds Kaprizov. Uh, he's twenty. What Declan? Twenty-four. So twenty-two, twenty-three. So yeah. I mean, so if you thought he was going to be one of the how best players is, in the NHL, how, how old is Daniil Hunter at this point? Daniil Hunter, twenty-five. Is twenty-five. I mean, I don't love the idea. In fact, I hate the idea of a 10-year contract, but the guy is damn good, and I think he's going to be good for a long time. Uh, if I was doing this, I would probably would consider him as well. Yeah, Kaprasov's a gamble there. I, I just I, I hate multi-year contracts in, in term. I hate that term. Like, that term to me, I'm willing to pay a guy over a short period of time 
a lot. And I think that's absolutely fine, even in a salary cap league, if you can justify it. But when you're talking about 10 or more years, Parisi, Suter. Coyle? No, because I didn't sign him to that long contract. But when you're you're talking about 10-year contracts or more, for the most part, I really, really uh, cringe at that. You know, Hunter Hunter is such a physical—he's just a machine physically, right? He's not going to be the the NFL's sack leader when he's 35 years old, but you're going to get five or six years of prime Hall of Fame career mm-hmm. until he's like 31. I think he's just and going you're to be gonna damn overpay good. Him. Yeah. yeah, I think he's going to be damn good That's for a long I had time. Thought of. I had kind of written off all Vikings players because, again, like you're not jonesing to sign anyone to a 10-year max contract unless it's yeah, the best coach. quarterback in the league who's 25 years old. Impact. Like Deshaun Watson's probably another guy that you would that, – that's, that's coming up in about a year from now. Kevin Fiala turns 24 in two weeks. Yeah, Fiala. It, who, who's likely to be the better player, Kaprasov or Fiala, in like I, in five years? Probably Kaprasov. Probably Kaprasov, but you also never know if the guy's going to come here and if he's ever going to materialize to the NHL. I think he is. Like, I yeah, think but if you send him to a 10-year contract now and he could come here and sit until next December, <laughs> guess what? He's going to sign that contract. Yeah. He can't, but he would. Yeah. Because I, I believe in the, the last um, – um, agreement that the that the hockey folks came to. I think they cut it down to what you can sign a seven year contract with a new team, and I think it's eight year maximum contract uh, if you stay with your team. Okay, they yeah. really cut that down a lot. Yeah, in so, the CBA, yeah, so the, the NHL is protecting teams from even doing something. Oh like this yeah, the Parisian shooter contracts were very cautionary as to far as uh, what was a good move and what was not a good move. Okay, there is by the way on uh, PrivateIslandsOnline.com. There's one here. That's also off the coast of Thailand. No, this is the one that we we did the, the Florida one. The one off the coast of Thailand. Yep, it's 110 acres, 160 million dollars for yeah. 110 acres. Yep, a lot of trees. It looks like so a lot. Of, I don't know what kind of wild yeah. animals are sitting in those trees. Might attack you on your own island. No, it's tear them down, Phil. Here's a 643 acre island off the coast of Greece called the island of Patroclos. Price available upon request. So you got to send an email to get that. I'm sure Pat Mahomes could get a quote on that one. <laughs> like, could judges email this site and say, hey, can you just hey. tell, give me like a range? Oh, they'd probably, gladly, like range. They'd probably <laughs> gladly reach an, an agreement as and uh, screw me somehow. I'm sure that would be a uh, bad deal for me. Football! All right. So uh, so we'll, we'll keep you posted on privateislandsonline.com if there's any new developments here. On Mackie and Judd. Another thank you to Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. They've got some great offers to kick off the uh, the summer months here. You can get 0% interest for 60 months on all certified pre-owned Camrys and RAV4s. We've got a couple RAV4 drivers here. Two out of the three of us are oh, yeah. Luther Brookdale Toyota RAV4. I was going to say owners. You're, are you leasing or did you no, buy? No, I, I bought. So you're an I owner. Yep. I've been leasing for like nine years. Camrys, Corollas, and RAV4s. And uh, we took a trip up and down the North Shore, several hours of driving. Couldn't have been more comfortable, safe. The uh, the safety features and the technology make it worth test driving these things. And then you're probably going to be sold after you you take a test drive. So stop in 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. They're taking all the safety precautions you can imagine. Or you can also shop online at LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. All right. Also, we've got uh, the, the weekly auctions are back on ScoreNorth.com. And there's a couple of great deals happening right now. Uh, one is in Eau Claire, Wisconsin at Metropolis Resort. Create great memories close to home with a one-night safe stay at Metropolis Resorts. I, I feel like I drive by Metropolis Resort all the time going back and forth to see family in Milwaukee. 
the fun never stops at Metropolis Resort. You'll receive one night in a standard room and up to five passes to Chaos Water Park. Good for your entire stay. Family fun for everyone at Metropolis Resort. Go to scorenorth.com, keyword bid. Also, uh, this one's up Judd's alley here. All right? What do you got for me? Love yourself inside and out at Clinic Femina, okay? Oh, okay, yeah. You might be, you know, the name might scare you here, but stick with me, okay? Clinic Femina and Authentic Plastic Surgery. The doctors have over 40 years of combined experience in dermatology and cosmetic surgery. They are the experts. Maybe you've been thinking about doing something for yourself for a while. Now's a great time with the liposuction package, Judd. Oh, yeah. Just like post, me, Judd. No, the yep. post-pandemic. You'll look, you'll look like Declan. That'll be great. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Let's see. Around uh, the fall or so, get a little liposuction. Feel uh, Lose some weight. You I wouldn't can, look like Declan probably, but yeah. You can bid and win at scorenorth.com. Keyword bid the uh, the weekly auctions here on Mackie and Judd. It's almost like guys are playing with that inherent risk. I think if service time and money weren't an issue, you'd see more guys opt out. But, you know, guys guys want to get that year of service time. Uh, I know there's a majority of the league is, is you know, trying to earn their way through, through life and, you know, make their salary. But the only way you can opt out is by taking away that service time and money. So there's a lot of people that are in that boat as well. And I, there's a ton of players out there quoted saying this, but it almost feels like you're just waiting on bad news, right? You're just waiting for somebody's camp to break out. You're waiting for um, travel restrictions to be shut down across the nation. You're waiting for... You know, a second wave where, you know, things become unplayable and sports take a back seat. So uh, we're all just we're, we're kind of going day to day right now, making sure that we're ready for the given day and looking forward to that. Right, so so what did you make of Mitch, that's Mitch Garver there basically saying, I mean, he wasn't speaking necessarily in the first person there. He was sort of speaking on behalf of some players around Major League Baseball saying, well, yeah. I mean. Honestly, we probably wouldn't be out here doing this if we could just get the service time and keep our clock moving forward for the guys that aren't, you know, six, seven, eight-year veterans in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. I just, like, I have a harder time getting excited for the season knowing that the players are not really excited for the season. Do you guys feel that way at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and what what Mitch was saying was, was a very frank, honest, uh, candid response to the fact that I get the impression that at 29 he would not play if he didn't have to, but the uh, problem for him is he's due to make six hundred twenty thousand dollars in 2020, Phil, and he is at two plus years of service time. So if he decided he to opt yet. out, oh no, 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 and if he opted out of the 2020 season, his his service time would uh, toll, and he would not get the year, and, and so then he'd be going into his age. 30 season, not yet arbitration eligible because he'll get that after the 2020 year if he plays it. So the fact is, I'm getting the impression more and more, and this is not just from uh, Garver. This is from the entire thing of, you know, I've been at two days of practice and certainly seen a lot of stuff from around the league on Twitter, as I'm sure you have as well. Don't you get the impression? It's almost like every focus is on, and it should be, I get this. But I didn't think this through previous to practice starting on health and safety. And guys admit we aren't talking about baseball like like your urge to go in, get dressed, get outside, separate, separate, separate. Yeah. And so it completely goes against what the ordinary um, way of sports is and especially baseball. So everything every day is is go get tested. OK, um, you get dressed, get outside. And instead of, of like preparing for the year 
And instead of preparing to play baseball, guys are essentially preparing not to get sick. It, For me personally, it not only doesn't make me excited, it almost seems, and this might sound crazy, counterproductive. Like this isn't this isn't normal. This isn't anything that has to do with the normal preparation. And I know that these guys are well paid, okay? But it doesn't have anything to do with the normal preparation of what they do to try and win. It's almost like every day is a fight not to prepare for the season, but against the virus. Well, I also think when we go back three or four months ago, go back to the middle of March and the discussions about, well, how long are sports going to be gone for? And well, for sure until like May or June. And then it just kind of depends on how we handle this. And do we flatten the curve? Is there another outbreak? And I think all of our discussions about bringing sports back, at least in my mind, were predicated on when they come back. It might not be for a while. It might be middle or end of the summer. But when they come back, it'll feel safer, right? It won't be maybe totally safe, but it'll feel safer because the you know, the, the flames will be sort of extinguished to some extent. And when you look at all the data, I get that the death rates are a lot lower than they were three or four months ago because we are doing more testing. And so there is that part of the conversation. But um, but it it just it feels like the players are all kind of like Mitch Garver said, waiting for bad news. They're now trying to find another testing and and uh, I guess testing facility or lab facility so that they can pump out results every day or two. Right. And I. I my enthusiasm for baseball coming back is a lot less than it would have been I think in my mind like 2 months ago thinking oh everything's going to be safer and it, like the, players aren't going to have to go to these extreme lengths to avoid each but other it's all like sports. they are now yeah. it's all sports it, it's across the board if every day of practice is going to be a fight against I can't get sick and by by the way if I win that's great too that's not normal. Like yeah. like sports sports is and I, I don't care how, how much guys are paid. Sports is supposed to be a diversion. Sports is supposed to be fun. Sports is supposed to be yes, yes, it is a product of of guys who work hard and make a lot, but getting there is supposed to be a focus. Nobody's focused. That's the problem right now. And the same is going to be true for football. And and I think the same is going to be true for every sport. Because no matter how much people try and tough tough it out and say, ah, yeah, I'm going to play my sport. I think anybody with the brain is thinking, but God forbid. And, and as Garver said, too, in, in his comments on Monday, we and players and doctors do not know the long-term effects of getting this. So you might get this and you think you're absolutely fine and you have no symptoms and and in 5 years nobody knows if your lungs are going to cause you problems. And Garver's point is a good one. What he's trying to say and what I think a lot of guys are trying to say is because we don't know what the fallout of this is going to be, you know, God forbid that four guys in 3 years get incredibly sick. And we all want to say, yeah, but it's going to be fine cuz they're young and healthy and that and that sounds really good we don't know that and they don't know that yeah so. De- let me ask you this because Declan you've been a baseball fan too I mean if you knew that these guys are just not really that invested like most of them are just kind of like hey we're here and we're playing and like mm-hmm. we all agreed to do this but it's definitely winning games and and just engaging in the sport are not the first priority how does that affect you as a fan because it, it affects me as a fan it totally does um you know like a week ago when I 
grabbed my white claw and did a video in front of Target Field when the season was going to get played. I was jacked up, right? Like, finally, it's going to happen. And we, I think we all, all of us collectively just kind of decided, like, we forgot about the pandemic for a minute. We just thought, oh, sports are coming back. We're going to be okay. And we deserve this distraction. And then when you hear players like Sean Doolittle and everyone else say, like, we don't really deserve to have sports back. Like, think about the big picture of where of where our world is right now in this pandemic. And cases are still rising. Yes, death rates are low, but cases are rising. Teams are pulling out of other leagues. We are not even close to being halfway through this. We're still on the top of the third, for the lack of a better word, of, of this fight against the coronavirus. So it, it's tough to hear and not be able to see sports. But I, I completely understand someone like Garver or Mike Trout that says... I. You know, like, why are we really here? Like, what are we really doing if if our nation and our leaders and our even our team executive board can't figure out how to take the proper precautions to keep us safe? Because they don't know. That's the problem. They don't. Nobody knows what they're doing. And, And that is it's people's fault in some ways. But across the board, there's just a lot of things here that are question marks. And our problem as sports fans, is we think that these guys are just going to play and that they're they've got you know that they're machines that they're, they're robots they're they're, no, they're yes humans. And, and they've got families they've got concerns and you know baseball we are now asking them we're basically saying you're back at work and oh by the way during a pandemic go and travel like think about that like we're telling them to go back to normal. And I and don't give me well I've been working okay if you work if you do work God bless you but like us you probably drive to an office and then you can probably go home and there's really no good reason to go to a bar all right but with with baseball and football we are going to basically tell those guys you know what get in planes fly around to places where COVID nineteen is a hotspot also like share baseballs and yes. sweat and different so, things yeah, so there's, the, def- there's more risk the fact that. that these guys are, are concerned they should be but it does make it tough when you begin to realize that the focus on a daily basis has nothing to do with their sport and you can't blame them yeah um, the schedule did come out yesterday the oh, schedule yes, is out oh, right? I hated Cardinals thirty six games in thirty seven okay, days hated Cardinals for the home opener the Twins do get a handful of off days in September and uh, they open the season at Chicago so they have what's this they have like a home game against the Cubs two days before the I, it, season is it, I think it's like an exhibition like it doesn't I don't think it's a real what's that? game there, there, there there's a game before the actual opener against the, the White Sox yeah, yeah it's like an exhibition yeah. so the Cubs are going to fly here No no they're they're going to go the Twins are going to Chicago, Chicago. to play the Got Cubs it. on July 22nd okay. and then they're going to open against the White Sox for 3 have a day Got off it. and then come home and play the Cardinals and I think that starts an 8 game home stand so and uh, I, and Dan Hayes also noted too 37 games in 38 days for the Twins at some point in the schedule and the White Sox end the season with 17 in a row playing the Twins, Indians, Reds, and Cubs. So it is going to be a sprint if it happens. Yeah. If it happens. And I think, Judge, I think it's going to start. I don't know what's going to finish. Right, yeah. Well, you're no, too, that because there's just not that many off days and pitchers aren't going to be able to. You're not going to like jump into the season throwing eight innings, especially Rich Hill. Yeah. It's pretty likely the Twins, in some form, have six starting pitchers out of the gate. If, right? if any manager or pitching coach. In this league, ruins a pitcher's arm based on this. They should be fired well, immediately. Dusty ba- Who's Dusty Baker managing now? Didn't Houston, Dusty and he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be allowed to. Man, he's like seventy, <laughs> seventy Baker, something. Man. No, seriously, Dusty Baker. God bless him. But what are you doing? 
He's gonna he's gonna go out in a blaze of glory, man. This is this is what Dusty Baker was made right. for this. I've he got, was made for this. I've got some breaking uh COVID nineteen update umpire news here. Oh man. I, I just I just got Saw a this. note from Saw a friend this. about a noted major league umpire. The cowboy. The cowboy. The the note reads that baseball considers Joe West a high risk individual he plans to return for this season despite that here is the joe west quote this is the money quote this is if you were to make up a quote from country joe this would be the quote that you would make up but this is real i don't believe in my heart that all these deaths have been from the coronavirus what i don't that is, believe that is in a my heart thought that all that of these deaths have been from the coronavirus the, the thought just like I've been reading a lot of conspiracy theories just because I just want to know, like, what are people like? No, what is good. the deal? Right? I'm with you. Okay. And and the thought right. is, what's it? 130,000 deaths have been classified coronavirus deaths. Okay. That there is a conspiracy pressure being put on states and medical facilities to label deaths coronavirus. So let's say you died. You're old. You died, and you had like you had cancer, and but coronavirus. Now we're it? Right. Like when my mom, my mom had cancer. Right. She really died from kidney failure. Right. Right. Okay. Like so. Yeah. Like that. Old that, people that die. If yeah. you had COVID when you died, the cause of death is labeled as COVID to jack the numbers up. That is a that is a thought does, around the country. Does Joe West though not realize? Like, look at Joe West. God bless him. Okay. How old is Joe West? Hold on a second here. I was just think, thinking the same 67. thing myself. Sixty-seven. Okay, sixty-seven. Yeah, so he so is. He, he's. He might, High want, risk. he might want to stay home. He gets full pay if he stays home. He's not year. in exactly great. great shape. But I knew Joe West, if you told Joe, Joe, the end result of this for you is going to be awful. He would say, I'm still working because I got to toss guys. You know, I don't know. Joe, Joe West will. Joe West is going to toss the first person that gets <laughs> too close to him, whether it is on purpose or not. He will toss. He will toss a manager, coach, or player. You know what won't get COVID? A robot umpire. Okay. Right, Can we say. get an electronic strike zone in here? You know who's not always honest? Umpires. Never. Strike two. Strike two. I'm not feeling so well. <laughs> Angel Hernandez and Joe West. I'm telling you, the competition. Who tosses a player, manager, coach first because that person got too close? Yeah, dude. I don't know. Cowboy Joe West is. Uh... Why am I not surprised that Joe West had that quote? Yeah, I mean it's very Peak Joe West. Joe West. Yes, yep. Peak Joe West. So, all right. Well, we'll break down the. We'll do the full pick the twin schedule thing at some point before the season starts. We will go team by team, and and game by game, and we will pick the sixty games. Just not today, because Mitch Garver kind of buzz killed it for us. Um, it is a every other Tuesday we're doing Minnesota Sports Rewind, and so we're uh, we're pumped for this one. This one is sort of a blend into an alternate reality, but. Uh, it's time for some Minnesota Sports Rewind. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Minnesota Sports Rewind. All right. It's a Tuesday here. Every other Tuesday we're doing this on Mackie and Judd, and you can find, if you just want only Minnesota Sports Rewind episodes, you can go and download episodes or stream them from the podcast feed, Minnesota Sports Rewind, where... A five-star rating and a positive review helps us spread the word about that, too. We have 20 to 25 episodes that we've put out over the last year and a half or so. And this is where we do deep dives into prominent Minnesota sports events, games, trades, moments, you name it. And this episode is all about Teddy Bridgewater's knee injury from August 30th, 2016, Judd Zolgad. Tuesday afternoon. Almost four years ago. Actually, it feels like it was longer ago than that. 
But it does. It's only been four years. It does feel like a long time ago now. Two days after Teddy Bridgewater completed 12 of 16 passes for a buck 61 and a touchdown in the first half of a preseason game against the Chargers. The Chargers. He drops back in practice two days later on that Tuesday, untouched, and his knee gives way. One of the most gruesome knee injuries in pro sports Dislocated history. kneecap, torn ACL, and more, I think they found out eventually, right? Yeah, in fact, here is, this is an excerpt from an ESPN.com interview with Teddy's surgeon. So Teddy gave his surgeon permission to just speak freely a couple years ago when he signed with the Jets. And uh, this was this was an excerpt from the article. Amputation was no longer a feared possibility, so that that well, that was a thing for a little while. Mm-hmm. And yet, what the surgeon faced that day was something one might see on the set of a sci-fi film. It was just a horribly grotesque injury, the surgeon said. The good doctor was talking about the quarterback's left knee, which had exploded without warning nine days earlier while Bridgewater was dropping back to pass, untouched in a Vikings practice. Quote, it's mangled. You make the skin incision and there's nothing there. It's almost like a war wound. Everything is blown. It's certainly the worst knee dislocation in sports I've ever seen without having a nerve or vessel injury. It's an injury that about 20 to 25% of NFL players are able to come back from ever. It's a horrific injury. You've torn every single thing in your knee and it's hanging on by one ligament on one side like a hinge. End quote. Yeah, besides that, he's fine. Oh, yeah. You got to open. The you got to come back and start the season. What are you guys God. talking about? Yeah, I know it's disgusting. So prior to the injury, Teddy was obviously a first round pick by the Vikings. He had compiled a seventeen and eleven record as the Vikings starting quarterback. Should have a playoff victory in there too, if not for Blair Walsh missing a twenty seven yard field goal or Adrian Peterson fumbling. Don't ever forget or that Peterson one. Peterson fumbling too. Yeah, and he showed great leadership behind the scenes at practice in games. Teammates believed in him. Coaches loved him. He showed accuracy. He was one of the most accurate intermediate range passers in the NFL. And he showed some clutch on third downs and in the fourth quarter of games. And the Vikings were just starting at this point, going into 2016, just starting to mold the offense to Teddy Bridgewater's skill set. Remember, the first couple years of Teddy, it was really still Adrian Peterson's offense. And Teddy Bridgewater played a lot of shotgun pistol at Louisville in college. And they had him lining up under center, eye formations, and just a lot of a lot of formations that he, that if it was just, hey, this is our new quarterback, this is our franchise, you wouldn't mold the offense that way. The his first, first game couple of, years. Of, of 15 was a disaster. Yeah. The San Fran game. Oh, they yeah. were awful. And that, that was, that in no way, way, shape, or form was the offense that Teddy wanted to run, I don't think. And so they finally, so I think the, the excitement going into 2016 was, you know, coming off that preseason game, especially against the Chargers, it was like, wow, okay, so this is what it looks like. This is Teddy Bridgewater's offense. He's going to drop back. He's going to throw the ball. They're going to they're going to run just something that makes him feel more comfortable. And boom, his knee gives out, and it sends the Vikings into a panic a week before the regular season starts. And they wind up trading a first round pick for Sam Bradford. He got off to a five and zero start and missed the playoffs. That was the 2016 Vikings. <laughs> so let's start with this question: Where were you guys when you heard about Teddy Bridgewater's gruesome knee injury on August 30th, 2016? I was sitting in the office, and I believe that we were shuttling back and forth uh, to the State, State Fair. Fair at yeah. that point in time, and we had got done with the show, which was nine to one at that point. And I think yep. I was in the conference room here working on something, and somebody said something along the lines of, "Did you hear about Teddy?" I'm like. What? They're like, yeah, Teddy got hurt. And at first I'm like, okay, you know, something happened, but it's not going to be that bad. And I just remember finding out quickly that 
his his knee had gone. Uh, they had taken him away to the hospital. That this was grotesque and severe. Uh, and thinking immediately to myself, what the hell are they going to do? Like we are on the precipice of the season. And the one thing was that year, I, I believe, when I got to training camp, uh, w- when they were still in Mankato in 2016, I looked around and the first thing I thought was, if Teddy does get hurt, and I'm thinking to myself like two weeks, okay? So to be fair, I'm not thinking like his career might be over. If Teddy does get hurt, is Sean Hill really capable of stepping in? Like this did this to me felt like, like they were so sure of Teddy that they essentially had Teddy's coach as his backup, which I was like, I don't know if that's a great idea because this kid definitely could get hurt at some point in time. Uh, So the day he did get hurt, the rest of that day, I just thought, and I recall going through the list of guys that might be traded, released, and I really thought they are screwed because I, I I didn't think of Bradford. And in looking at the list of potential replacements just short term there, that was a good team. And I thought they are in huge trouble because you can't have Sean Hill start. Oh. Dex, where were you when you heard about it? I was driving back home uh, with, from a family cabin near Gull Lake. And I had gotten word from a, from a friend of mine who worked for the team that something had happened at practice. So I'm dialed into Sports Talk Radio 2 trying to figure out what's going on. And I just remember being absolutely glued to my phone down Highway 10 and 169. Literally refreshing. Probably killed my iPhone battery in 55 minutes with refreshing on Twitter and texting and trying to figure out what was going on. And then I got home just in time for Zimmer to address the team. And like, literally I remember everyone's like unpacking their things. Everyone's like even starting cooking dinner. And I just immediately went to the television because I wanted to see what the hell was going on at winter park. And I just remember Zimmer breaking down and then even comparing Teddy's injury to his wife's death. You know, like he looked at him like a son. And I even, like, I even welt up because it was, like, this super poignant moment who was tough guy Mike Zimmer, right? Tough as nails, doesn't cry over anything. Yeah. And I just remember being so overcome with emotion, too, about it. And that's, and that's an athlete, someone who I've never really had gravita- like had a relationship with or anything, but it was just so significant. And you had such high hopes for that preseason that all those emotions, I think, just kind of came pouring out of a lot of people. So I was on the State Fair shuttle bus. So, Judd, you must have taken an earlier shuttle because I was, I was coming back on, like, like, oh, like you, the next shuttle. You stayed and drank. I might have had a beverage. You stayed and drank some yeah. beers. Mackie? Yeah. And uh, Superstar Mike no Morris. Applause back then. Superstar Mike Morris was on the shuttle with me. I think him and I went to go eat some more food and grab a beverage uh, or okay, something. All right. Uh, thanks for inviting me. And we saw this news come across, and it was like, your jaw just hits the floor. Like, what? at first you're thinking... Oh, did he? Okay, that's did, what I thought. Like, yes, did he just like twist an ankle? Like yeah. what? What happened? And then it's like, oh, oh wow, torn ACL. Holy cow! And then, oh my god, amp- they're talking about amputation. Like, what yeah. is he ever going to play again? And anyway, fast forwarding, it's it's great to see that he that he has come back. He played pretty well with the Saints last year. Now he's going to get a chance as a franchise quarterback with with Carolina. But I think the biggest question off of all of this is what could have been right. What and that's key question number two here on this episode is what happens if Teddy doesn't get hurt? So two parts to this. What happens with the Vikings in 2016 Yep, that, that started 5-0? and Sam Bradford was unbelievable for the first part of that season, coming in cold, not knowing any of the players. or like, He just literally came he in cold. He started in week two. He just yeah, he comes right in. He set he, he sets a career. Actually, uh, yeah, it was a career high in terms of uh, completion percentage and yards in a season. And touchdown to interception ratio, he led the league in completion percentage. I think it was a record at the time. It was. 71.6% 
Of course, it turned into a lot of dink and dunk late in the season, so he didn't... A lot of checkdowns. Uh, a lot of checkdowns late in the year, but mm-hmm. what would have happened with Bridgewater's career and with the Vikings <laughs> if he doesn't tear his knee on that day? I'll start with, uh, with that year in particular, okay? I think that that team makes the playoffs for sure. And here's a big reason why they might have they might have hit a rough spot, but I don't think it becomes um, as bad as th- that did because they went from five and zero start to what three and eight I think in their last um, portion of yes. the season. Okay, they make the playoffs and they win probably ten or eleven games in my mind because. To me, the biggest problem in that year, and there were lots of, of them, th- this is probably the most tumultuous, uh, outside of 2010, this is probably the most tumultuous Viking se- season slash team that I've covered. But if Teddy doesn't get hurt, Mike Zimmer doesn't melt down. And there is no question that beginning with, with um, at five and, and oh, they have the bye week. They go and they lose at Philly. And that's the post game where Mike, I think, called the offensive line or the team. I think it was the offensive line soft, and that that was the whole thing going into the bye week, where he supposedly did something to stuffed toys or something. Yeah, he he might have lopped their heads off. Yeah, he might like not have. Over the he might have used blood. He might not have used fake blood. We don't know. But anyway, there was definitely something about Mike uh, in that year that, that I think ultimately he probably learned from, but he melted down. If Teddy is his quarterback, and, and as Dex said, this kid was like a son to him, I don't think he melts down. So there certainly could have been rough patches and rough spots, uh, but to start your question off, I think this team hits a rough spot, rough patches, but it doesn't kill them, which it ultimately did. This is a playoff team. I think they make the playoffs too. I think I, I think everything was, was going to be molded toward a healthy Teddy Bridgewater. And I think it would have been worth another win or two. I'd have to go look and see like what the standings were and like if nine and seven or I don't think they would have gone thirteen and three, but but I, I do think they make the playoffs. And I think more importantly, I think Teddy Bridgewater is still the quarterback of the Vikings. He's probably making a lot of money at this point. He's probably making twenty five to thirty million dollars. I don't think he's in the Pat Mahomes. You know what? You know Tom Brady. I don't think he's at the top of the NFL in that echelon of quarterbacks, but I think he's a better version of Kirk Cousins. If he if he plays it out and he stays healthy, I think he's I think he's Alex Smith plus. I think he's Kirk Cousins with some more clutch in him and just better in in those pressure situations. And I think he's a solidified top ten quarterback in the NFL. Still with room to grow. He's only like 26 or 27 years old right now as we sit here and, and talk about this. So I know he had a lot of detractors because people like people look at fantasy stats and they see, oh, he only had 14 touchdown passes or right. whatever. Well, you got to remember the first couple yeah. years, they were not catering toward a passing heavy offense. Right. Anyways, Adrian Peterson was getting a lot of the load inside the 20-yard line, inside the 10-yard line. Also... How many quarterbacks outside of Pat Mahomes in their first two years are just lighting it up with like 35 or 40 touchdowns? He also didn't screw up. Like the clutch thing is important, but if you're clutch but screw up, that's a problem. So, So for a guy starting his career, he did a lot of things right. But this is where the Chargers game will always haunt you because the Chargers game, that first half, was a step of everybody, and I know it was it was a exhibition game, 
But if you recall, that game, we all left the stadium saying, oh, my God, there's mm-hmm. something there. And and it wasn't just his play. It was his look. He looked completely in, in charge. It had clearly morphed from uh, 2015 being the Peterson show, and here's Teddy, yeah. hey, have fun, <laughs> to, no, this is my team. And so what made that Chargers game so um, appetizing was the fact that you thought to yourself, oh, boy, corner been turned. And two days or th- three days after that, he gets hurt. And we never get the answer to if what we saw that day was real. Yeah. And I take it back even to the first preseason game that year against Cincinnati. Judd and I had this conversation like two months ago. But I don't, I don't remember any preseason in football where you were really dialed in and you like took the results and like, holy crap, this is going to translate to the season. Because that first series against Cincinnati, everything against Teddy, like like you said, Phil, he's pedestrian. He doesn't take shots. He unleashes a deep bomb in that first series, I think, to Jarius Wright. Hits him from the 50-yard line, just a bomb. You're like, oh, there's a there's Teddy in the deep ball. And then it translated into the Chargers game. And you just were all in on this team. Not just being, in my opinion, 10-6 and six and 9-7 and seven cute. I I was looking at this team being 12-4 and four and a favorite in the NFC. Yeah, and you just mentioned, like, like Jarius Wright was, like, the number one <laughs> wide receiver on yeah. the team. So the other thing that people forget, like, Kirk Cousins has had, and, and before Kirk Cousins... Um, I'm trying to think, uh, Case Keenum had both Thielen and Diggs as well. So Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins have had two top 12 wide receivers in the NFL, running routes available down the field. Teddy Bridgewater, 2014, all right? These were the Vikings wide receivers. And Matt, Matt Castle made three starts, and then Teddy took over, and that, and that was his rookie season, okay? So so Matt Asiata was the bell cow running back. Jarek McKinnon was was a good little Swiss Army knife running back and, and pass catcher out of the backfield. You had 31-year-old Greg Jennings. So it's kind of broken down. Greg Jennings was basically on his last legs and was out of the league a year later. Yep. He went to Miami and then he was out of the league. Yep. And then you had Matt Asiata as the second leading receiver on that team in 2014, followed by Jarius Wright and can't run a route Cordero Patterson. And Charles Johnson was fifth. Charles Johnson, remember that guy? Number 12, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Charles Johnson. Yep. 2015, Teddy's first full year as a starter. The weapons list is not that much different. In fact, you might make a case that it's worse because Adrian Peterson was the bell cow running back, and he wasn't very good. They did feature Stefan Diggs for part of that season. He, he started like half the games. That was when Stefan first emerged into the mix. Uh, yeah, Kyle Rudolph was there. Mike Wallace. But like <laughs> that was kind of the end of Mike Wallace's run. He was 30 years old. Imagine Teddy Bridgewater emerging into his third, fourth, fifth years in the NFL, 24, 25, 26 years old, and having Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs as targets to and throw Rudolph, to. too, at that point in time. Yeah, and Absolutely. Into his prime. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I, I want to bring one more number to the table here because I think it's important to note that in 2015, according to Pro Football Focus, for the, for the people who think that, like, Teddy's, you guys are overrating Teddy. Teddy Bridgewater in 2015 led the NFL in adjusted completion percentage, which is if you take away drops and you take away throwaways, and Teddy did have a lot of throwaways, I will I will give you that. He was the most accurate passer in the NFL, mostly because of that 5 to 15 yards in the air range. Other guys in the mix behind Teddy Bridgewater in 2015, Kirk Cousins as a first-year starter, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Phillip Rivers. Hmm. Those are the guys on that list. Mm-hmm. The complete passes at that rate, pre-injury Teddy Bridgewater. This might be the greatest, or it, it is uh, certainly top five, unknown in Minnesota sports history. 
It is. It's yeah. one of the great unknowns because you're not positive, but you're pretty sure that he was going to be a really good player and he was going to solve a problem. And the most important thing was, again, I will always go back to this. He's the only quarterback that I've ever seen this head coach trust. Like, this was his guy. And that also might be more kind of a Mike Zimmer problem to iron out at some point, too. But, yeah. Yeah, but I can see how quarterbacks don't don't engender a lot of um, a lot of trust at times. Yeah. But but Teddy had a really – he walked the line of, of being smart, but to your point, Phil, being clutch at times, too. He had four fourth-quarter comebacks and 28 starts for the Vikings. So it wasn't yep. just like he was, yeah, handing off the football and having to dink and dunk. No, the guy, when it was mattered, he got the team to a position to win. And, like, you see a lot of these other younger quarterbacks. Russell Wilson is a great example of this. Once you get into year, you're kind of training wheels your first couple of years. What we didn't get to see is Teddy Bridgewater without the training wheels and fully healthy in years three, four, and five. I saw a little glimpse of it against the Chargers. It was interesting. The Chargers. Uh, next question for you. Do you guys think Teddy Bridgewater will ever play for the Vikings again? No, I do not. No, because if if Zim was like fifty, I think he maybe he might. But Mike Mike is what sixty three, sixty four now. Um, so no, I think I think Teddy in Carolina. We're going to find out now over the course of a full year if if the leg and health can can uh, hold up. If it does, I think he probably plays there and maybe one more place, but I don't think he comes back here now. The, the only way it happens done. is like if he's really good, then he's Carolina's quarterback for yeah. like the next eight years or, or he gets whatever, hurt right? and he's just going to be done. Right. But if he's the only way he comes back and plays for the Vikings is a classic Vikings, like toward the end of his career <laughs> in 10 years or something. Yeah. And I don't know, Carolina has blown everything up and they've moved on and Teddy's coming back down and there's, there's like a buy low factor on a veteran Teddy Bridgewater. Otherwise, I think, and I think if he's healthy, I think Carolina has a franchise. I think Carolina has like the seventh or eighth best quarterback in the NFL in two years in Teddy Bridgewater. And I've been led to believe too that although Ted is extremely grateful for the medical staff and everything they did to to you know prevent the amputation, and everything we listed earlier in the episode, but I think there is also a little bit of bad blood for the whole contract tolling that tried to happen too in twenty seventeen. Sure. So I, if it were to happen. I do think it would be under new management. I, I, I Not to say that the relationship is burned completely between Teddy sure. and Minnesota, but I do think that does play a factor. That was an odd deal. Not wanting to come back. I yeah. was surprised by that so one. They were, so they were trying to get him for an extra year. Yeah, right? total's contract. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're trying to – they don't want to have to pay. That's I can the problem. Like, like right. If they wanted him – this is the conundrum they ran into when it came down to right. Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins, Bridgewater. It was like – well, they'd love to see it out with Bridgewater, but you can't – like the guy was going to make more well, money. And you couldn't trust – you could not trust th- – his leg because it blew up. Yep. Like if he had gotten hit, you'd be like, okay, this is tough, but, but when you can't explain it, it becomes, I I think a very difficult choice to say, yeah, let's pay the guy. And also hope because that's a lot of hope. Next key question for you guys here was trading a first round pick for one year of Sam Bradford, or really it was like a year in change. It wanted being one year in one game, right? That's the saints. Yeah. He, well, he, it was, one game, and then he started oh, another game, game against Chicago. That, no, that doesn't count. Yeah, and he basically like turtled in the field. Oh, position. Yeah, I, got, I felt bad for him. Was trading a first-round pick for Sam Bradford a week before the season started the right move? 100% the right move, and here's why. That team was good, and there was no way that you could go into that group of players and say, let's go with Sean Hill. This is going to work out. You knew that. You know, Sean Hill 
won the Titans game in week one of 2016. But when you watched him play and when he surfaced on the injury report after that game, basically for being old, there was no way that you could go in and and say that. And if you had gone out and gotten like a veteran backup who was not that good, I think your players would have said, what the hell? So, yes, the price was big, but I will always credit Spielman and the Vikings for finding in a very short time a solution to at least give themselves a chance to be as competitive as they possibly thought they could be, as opposed to saying, you know what, Mike Lennon, you're good enough. Yeah, I I loved it. I thought thought it was was the right move, too, and they they started off, they won their first game with Sean Hill, who threw so many passes in that game. Yeah, John Andrew for being old. Yep. So so Bradford comes in, he wins his first four games as a starter, and the Vikings offense looks amazing. Uh, He doesn't throw an interception until week six, but I just I that's another one even with Bradford like there's a whole other episode here off Bradford another like what could have been like Bradford was the number one overall pick yes he's one of the more talented quarterbacks we've seen in the NFL the last 20 years he's still injuries the, he's the quarterback him. here to this day if he doesn't get hurt right but and, he was always hurt and like you know you've got these sort of parallel what ifs happening like what if Teddy Bridgewater had stayed healthy and like well what if Sam Bradford had stayed healthy Sam Bradford was more maybe more talented the than Teddy game? Bridgewater was the Saints game Yes. Week yes. one of seventeen, Sam Bradford was a bleeping magician. Yes, it was. It was ridiculous. He was comfortable and he was great that night. It's one of the greatest games of his career. And then word starts trickling out, like, oh, he's had, he's got some knee issues happening here. And he Which again, I thought, games. oh, it, it'll be a couple weeks. Yeah, they'll just whatever. Like yeah. they'll give him a quarters on shot and and he'll be back. And like really, he only played a handful of games. He went to the Cardinals the year after, but um, but I think it was the right move to make that trade because that team was ready to win the Super Bowl. Yes, that team had a defense that was emerging as one of the best in the NFL. And um, and the only thing I think you wonder is if they if they had the Adam Thielen Stefan Diggs weapons that they developed a year or two down the road, and that's the only year of healthy Sam Bradford, would they have won a couple of those games when they lost four or five in a row in the middle of the season? Would they have with better weapons? Would they have won a couple more games to pull themselves out of the funk and given themselves a chance to win they, games in the postseason? Man, they spiraled so bad. I don't know <laughs> that, that whole team loss spiraled. to Detroit. They lost a home game to Detroit in yeah. weeks in week nine, 16, but, 22 to sixteen. It was the, the third straight loss. Like the worst one was the Colts loss. Yeah, the Colts one was a gut punch. The Colts yeah. and Bills losses are, are the worst two Vikings defeats at this place. They were that Colts loss, and that was the game that Peterson came back and he's like, "I'm going to carry the ball." It's like, right. what are you talking no, about, dude? dude? Go away. Go away. And, <laughs> and he started the game. They threw him a pass that he either dropped or I think lost yards on. They might have handed him the ball on that first drive. They went nowhere. And I, honest to God, I can give you that is a top three game that I've covered where a team checked out. Like the Vikings were done. So here's another key question. Okay, so Sam Bradford at the time was like 30 years old. Mm -hmm. So still had probably, excuse me, six or seven years left of guaranteed quarterback prime if he was healthy. If you could, if you could wave a magic wand, rank these three guys. If you could wave a magic wand over their knees and have them be fine for the duration of their prime and career, okay. Teddy, Sam Bradford, yep, Dante Culpepper. Oh, oh Culpepper three, really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Culpepper three. He got hurt. Don't forget, he was he was in two thousand five, not that great. He was pretty bad before the injury. That's true. Bradford, Bradford is two. Because Bradford was comfortable here and was starting to play really well, and the guy had arm talent. He had some serious arm talent and won Teddy. 
Teddy is Teddy is the complete unknown. Like I can tell you what I thought of Dante. I can sort of tell you about Sam, okay? Not totally, but I can. The thing that Culpepper lacked though was Culpepper liked a good time and Culpepper Culpepper didn't have a thing to do with the success of that room. I ran into Culpepper on spring break in Mexico one Yeah, time. he didn't he didn't care. <laughs> I don't think Dante Culpepper was, was in it for a good time and Dante Teddy Teddy had chops, man. That guy could lead. Teddy is my top one. Declan. All right, you've yeah, go ahead Declan. I I would go Bradford 3. Bradford three, despite the amazing arm talent, I, just in general, the dude also had shoulder issues. He had just nagging injuries all the time. Yes, the knee was the most notable, but he was nagging injuries all the time. Also, he had those weird sleeves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like the sleeves. What was up with the sleeves? Nah, I like the sleeves. Okay. Then, like, why are you wearing sleeves? It's, and, not, it's not 1968, dude. Right. Get rid of the sleeves. And then I would, I would go Teddy too. I would go Teddy number two, no matter. Despite my insane love for the guy, um, I, I truly think that even though he had all the great intangibles. That Dante Culpepper's arm talent and just paralysis as as a quarterback who could still, I think, translate his game to later years. I was very intrigued by that. So Dante to me is on is number one in terms of the knees. All right, this is gonna sound crazy. I Judd has convinced me Dante was really bad in the games leading up to the knee injury, and Dante he was horrible. Oh five was a disaster. <laughs> so Dante also had a couple of seasons. Being gone was huge. He could him. go rogue and throw twenty five picks and and not blink. So I'll put Dante three. Like I would be very curious. Don't get me wrong, but I would put Dante three. I guess I'm putting Teddy two, and I'm putting Sam Bradford number one because I, I I can't get over the fact that this dude, like when he was locked into the right yeah. system and offense, and he had seen enough football, and he's emerging into his late twenties, early thirties. And we saw what he could have been with the Vikings. It all culminated in that week one game against the Saints in yes. 2017. Like Completely. it was, it was all there. Comfortable, knew the offense, leader. Uh, like, yeah, it was all there. Yeah, what there was... could he have been from ages 30 through 36? Former number one overall pick. Like all of those things, just command of an offense. Weird sleeves. <laughs> He's he is all the of it. he is the quarterback here to this day. If he doesn't get hurt. In that Saints game, yeah, three of the top five Bradford games came in Minnesota in terms of passer rating, and that Saints game number one, the Texans game number three, and the Packers game his debut number five. Man, wow! So he was very good here. Damn, Sam Bradford. That's made a, a lot hot of take, money though. Football too. Number one, he that, did make a lot of dough. Yep, very interesting. So, all right, um, last question for you here on this episode: Where does this Vikings like as a team? They started five and zero. They missed the playoffs. They finished three and eight, and they missed the playoffs. Where does this Vikings season meltdown rank in history? They had the 03 meltdown where they started. Yeah, I didn't cover that one. I told you guys, uh, 2010 is is the champion. Will always be your roof collapsed. Like there's no competition <laughs> there. This is two though. This was a this was a meltdown on and off the field that was was hard to explain. You know, in Philly. Zimmer calling the team out made no sense. You're five and one, dude. Yeah. Just take the loss. You didn't play well. Okay, cool. You're five and one. Go home. Have a drink and regroup. And instead, instead, the pre-buy stuff uh, was weird. The Philly loss was weird, as you said. The Detroit loss, but then, then the one where you just knew that it was off the rails. The Colts loss. Uh, so. Th- this is two. There's a lot of things about the course of that year. And, and in fact, they won their last game against the Bears at home. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the game where people snuck 
stuff in and hung from the uh, struss at the stadium That's right. and put up banners uh, protesting and stuff. And that was the perfect culmination to that year, a game where nobody watched the game because it didn't mean a damn thing. And everybody watched the protesters basically swinging from the truss. That's I mean, right. that was a weird year. And that that was post 5-0, and a hell of a meltdown. Yeah, it's, it's a meltdown. It's not quite losing in Week 17 at Arizona against a crappy, was it Cade McNown, one of the one of the McNowns or McCowns. Josh McCown. Josh McCown. Nate Poole, right? Josh or Luke. Nate Poole caught the pass in the the back of the end zone. All right. Yeah, it's not quite that. When you start 6-0 and you have Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper and uh, and you lose in Week 17, but, like, it it was pretty bad. It's pretty bad to not not finish that thing out. And, and, like, who would have thought when the Vikings were off to the the, the season they had the year before and they should have won a playoff game, and then they start the next season 5-0 with – Sam Bradford looking like the best he's ever looked in his career. Like, who would have thought that that, that was the end of the road for for that uh, Vikings team there? So they came back two years later, or the, was it the next year? It was the next year they came back and they went wins. to the uh, NFC Championship game. With Case Keenum, yeah. So, All right, well, that's a wrap on this episode of Minnesota Sports Rewind here, part of the Mackie and Judd Show. And you can find full episodes in the Minnesota Sports Rewind. If you just want to binge Minnesota Sports Rewind, Go subscribe to that podcast, Apple, Spotify, or scorenorth.com, and binge away, folks. Pat, so uh, so we started the show off today with a conversation about what would you do the minute somebody guaranteed you $500 million, like Pat Mahomes yesterday, and we stumbled onto a website called privateislandsonline.com. <laughs> You know, you can uh, you can buy or rent islands very easily on this website. There's a there's an island off the coast of Belize in Central America. It's it's four thousand dollars a night, all inclusive. And uh, if you put you know fifteen twenty friends family together, I'm sure you could you could probably make that price work. What's the first thing you would do if someone said, "All right, Pat, you're twenty. If go back to when you were twenty five years old. Here's a half billion. A lot of tangerantonics." <laughs> Oh God! If I started that, I wouldn't live more than a year with it. So, uh, I, I, uh, I, you know what? I haven't spent a lot of time contemplating that. But uh, so, what? What? I, I, I guess I didn't see this. What's the? Uh, what's ten? How many years? Ten years. years. It's ten years, and it's it's a hundred forty million dollar injury guarantee. And if okay. if he plays out the whole ten years, uh, Pat Mahomes will make five hundred three and gets all the incentives, which are like. Yeah. The incentives are like MVPs and stuff. stuff. It's yeah. worth up to $503 million. It probably settles in around like $420 million. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, boy, uh, that is a real risk for the Chiefs in this time of pandemic, isn't it? Who knows what football, what kind of money football is going to be making five years from now or two years from now. Uh, you know, it might not be the gold mine that uh, everybody thinks it is uh, when we come out of this thing. But uh, what would I do with $500 million? Well, I think that I would have a bigger condo in Florida than the one I have. <laughs> it wouldn't be in, uh, in Florida. It would probably be in the Turks and Caicos. And most important thing, private jet. That was Yay, yeah. Private I agree with that. Jet. Big yeah. on the private jet, maybe a 16-seater, uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of social distancing on there. Often it would just be me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would spend 
whatever it took to get the first best class private jet. That would be my first purchase. Patrick, I, and I, uh, hey Pat, and then I'd go to Paris for lunch. You know, stuff like that. You know. I think private jets. I think private jets might be a top five thing of being rich because the private yes. jet and the ability to walk onto the tarmac into your jet, no security, and and basically, yes. basically to them, it's like driving. Might be the great. It, it's a top five thing of being filthy rich. And I gotta tell you, I don't want new friends if I get the private jet. Okay, <laughs> I'm not all of a sudden now. All you people have been calling me names all these years are now going to be my buddies. No, ain't <laughs> you know, no, no. So, uh, yeah, but uh, I certainly would uh, expand where I attend. You know, I attended things like, uh, you know, my son, the Marine, will be moving back to Hawaii here shortly. And, uh, you know, hey, I'm coming out to see you Tuesday. I'm leaving Wednesday. You know, come on, let's have dinner in Honolulu. Yeah. I would say I I would say my 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 top three list is it's private jet is number one. I'm with you. Like I just don't want to. I don't want to play the lottery of like middle seat and just be crammed. Especially now in the pandemic, it's it's just the worst lottery. So private jets number one. Private chef is number two for me, and private laundry (laughs) folder would be number three. I don't ever want to fold my clothes ever again. And then uh, then Louis Black. Is that number four for you, Lewis? What Lewis Black said he'd do with a lot of money. What What did he say? <laughs> no, we might not get into that. It involved <laughs> personal. It involved personal hygiene below the waist. Let's oh, okay. <laughs> yes. You know, Didn't think of that one. An, an, an attendant to take care. Of, you know that was his sense. Listen to that one sometime when you can. So I must make a confession. I did. I failed to look up the all-time four A Twins team, not because I didn't have enough time, but because I forgot. Let's do it tomorrow. But, That's okay. But here's the deal: my uh, son, the Mister Baseball, listened to this. He came up with two great ones right off the top of his head: A Mike Restovich. Oh, Michael Restovich. Yes, Michael Restovich, Michael. outfielder. But B, closer. Come on, Phil. You can do this. Who is the 4A closer? Anthony Slamma. You got it. Yes! Yes! Whoa. Anthony Slamma. Nice work. Anthony Slamma is, is a first-team all-time 4A reliever, isn't he? And you I could really, argue, you could argue, Anthony Slamma never really got an actual chance in the major leagues. You could argue. He only yeah, pit, he could. only pitched seven innings in the major leagues we, in his entire. We career. have to celebrate this team, though. This team has to be oh, yeah. celebrated thoroughly. Oh, yeah, this is this is something that uh, should not be taken lightly, and we should probably be accepting nominations right now. But uh, the thing about Slamma, it wasn't because of lack of effort by me. I can't imagine how many I'd have to look up to see how many times I said. Call this guy up. What the hell's wrong with you people? It's amazing. All he does is get him out. And I did every spring. I did a piece on him too. Great guy. And uh, you know, seven appearances. That was it. Seven innings. Seven innings career in the wow. major leagues. Yes, that's unbelievable. So he had what year, just to what go, years? This is crazy. Like this, just to go through his minor league numbers. So he he entered the system in two thousand seven. He had a one point seven one ERA in low A, a one point oh one ERA in high A. <laughs> Then he climbed up to double A, triple A, uh, 2.67 ERA, 
Okay, then AAA in 2010, 2.20 ERA. Yeah. Like, just ridiculous. And they just and, they yeah. didn't like him from a scouting standpoint. They didn't I'll think have, he... I'll, I'll have to go back and look and see what their excuses were. What they... Because they, you know, they, they never really came out and said, ah, he doesn't throw hard enough or something. But, uh, you know, it's not like they were having nothing but flamethrowers coming out of the pen back then either. <laughs> right. Uh, but they, they, they always uh, would come up with some excuse. Uh, although, you know, if, let's face it, if he'd come around in two, when did he leave the organization? He, his last year with Rochester was 2013, and then he played in the Indies. So he went to the, the Dodgers. Did he get a shot when they stunk? <laughs> I, I mean, he was like 29 years old by then, so they might have just thought, whatever, he's too yeah, old, doesn't yeah, matter. But I can, I can see not getting a shot when you had the bullpens that they had through 2010. But my God, they were, you know, they were driving. They were calling up temporary services and asking them if they had a pitcher in the once the 2011. How about this? 2012. So 2012, the Twins were coming off a 99 loss season, and like yes. Scott Diamond was their ace, right? Yes. 2012, right. Anthony Slama, 39 innings in AAA, a 1.38 ERA, <laughs> zero major league so appearances. What, what the hell was wrong with them? I don't. Do you know. remember Pat? I, I can't remember. I, I just remember saying, what? You know, I remember being outraged, but uh, I can't uh, obviously remember what their Love the outrage. was. But he was a nice guy, too. It wasn't like he was getting arrested or stuff, you know. It was, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, bad. So, anyway. Hey, the one thing to Miguel, uh, what, what is, what's happening with Miguel? Is he had one negative test now, or are they telling us or not? I haven't seen that yet, no. But I was thinking of this. When you're driving your buddies across town to beat the crap out of somebody, always social distance. That's my uh, Wear a mask. You got to wear a mask. (laughs) You guys are going to go kick ass, but you got to wear a mask before you kick ass. You know, and if Miguel had worn a mask, then not only would he be healthy, but they wouldn't have recognized him, right? It would have been tougher. To, it would have been tougher to extort money from them with that lawsuit. You're right. They would have thought it was some other The mask, Pat. The mask is the greatest thing now, because because you you can walk in a bank or or a store and decide, am I going to socially distance and be safe or rob this place? And then you can decide. I think I'll rob it. All your money. One of my favorite. Crime athlete stories ever is Reggie Harding, who was a seven foot kid who uh, I think came out of high school because he wasn't a, he wasn't a quick learner. Let's put it that way. Everybody in the country was trying to recruit him out of Detroit, but uh, I, I don't think he ever actually attended any classes or anything. But Reggie had hit the fall times and he had hard times, and he went down to uh, the corner basically the corner convenience store to rob it. You know, and he's seven foot one and he lives in the neighborhood. And, uh, and the guy behind the, the kind of behind the counter says, Reggie, Reggie, you don't want to do this. You know, he's got the mask on and Reggie says, it ain't me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Reggie's any longer with us. I think he, he met his demise at a young age, but it ain't me. You know, 
Amazing. I just saw this yeah. is the other problem with these, <laughs> the people who are refusing to wear masks. So I just saw this tweet come across that a Florida man at a Fort Myers Costco, right in your, oh, your I saw backyard. This on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I've been to it. I've been to it. <laughs> the Fort Myers Costco. <laughs> He's the one on 41 where it's hand-to-hand combat or the that, one on yeah. the so this guy is wearing. Forty-one, I bet. He's wearing a shirt that says "Running the World Since 1776," and okay. uh, and he flips out on an elderly woman who asked him to wear a mask. And so there's a mm-hmm. video of him. Like someone's taking a video of him just acting like an idiot and freaking out and being all aggro. And the irony is, he because he wasn't wearing a mask. Now everyone's going to know who he is on the internet. If he was being that big of an ass and wearing a mask. Yeah. Nobody would he's, know the difference. He's also got the well, key thing so. of the sunglasses on the back of his head, Upside which is down, the yeah. ultimate DB move. Yep. Yep. Costco, uh, Costco has uh, got a rule that if you forget yours, they hand you one. So, uh, you know, because, you know, Costco knows that even though the mask might have cost them a buck and a half or something, uh, once you get in there fully intending to spend $50, you spend 200 Right. <laughs> exactly. Those, those a, cheese puffs aren't going to eat themselves. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. It's a good investment for me. Okay, I don't need another 50 rolls of toilet paper, but it's, it's, it's sitting there. I think I'll buy it. <laughs> yep. anyway. The so key to light pack in bulk, man. Selling in bulk. Change my <laughs> life. You never. You don't have to go back two weeks after. Well, that's uh, that's true. I uh, the uh, the uh, I, I get the only thing I do there is uh, paper products and and uh, water water liquid products, uh, but uh, that still costs plenty of money. So. Hey, Roycey, anyway. I've got yes. your glasses. Which ones? Uh, let's see. They're in a, what, a brown fill? Brown, a, nice, a brown nice uh, case? Looks like it's a knit case. Oh, yeah. Nice they're, one of, they're the ones that, is, that, said, that was lighting. They're one of my favorite pairs. They're here. Babies. I'll leave them so right I, here. I got, I got 27 pair, but there's there's a pecking order, you know. There's like <laughs> damn right four or five that I like, and the rest of them I all hate. And that's one of the five I like. So keep uh, keep uh, keep your eye on that baby, will you? Right on. All right, Pat. then we'll walk away. Thanks, we'll, Pat. We'll, we'll, let's let's officially do the Twins Quad A team tomorrow. All right. Okay, I'll try to get to it tonight. All right, sounds good. See you, Pat. All right, that's uh, wrapping with Roycey every day here on Mackie and Judd. Thanks for hanging out with us today, and uh, just be sure to give us, if you like the show and you've made it this far into it and you aren't asleep right now, give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple, both on Mackie and Judd and on Purple Daily. It helps keep us afloat here during uh, this tough 2020 stretch, and we'll see you tomorrow for Write That Down.